0: You've probably seen me or my wife chasing around our little boys uh, over the past four years that we've attended here. Um, I'm here basically to tee up the new sermon series, uh, which today focuses on the command to love one another. Uh, In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says the following in his last command before he's taken away by the authorities. He knows that this is his last opportunity. To speak to the twelve followers closest to him over his life, and this is what he says: "A new command I give you: Love one another, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another." Uh, now that's the most preaching that I'm qualified to do, and I'll, so I'll stop there. Um, but thinking about that scripture, I want to share a quick example of how real-life church has taken that command and put it into action. Um, recently, my family welcomed a new baby boy, Thomas, into the world. Um, thank you. Uh, we, now, we now have three children under the age of five. Uh, so any parent can tell you that that is a challenge that nothing in this world can prepare you for. We're totally outnumbered. Um, but... After returning home from the hospital, for the first 10 days, we did not have to worry about preparing a single meal in our home. Um, That is because members of the church took it upon themselves to come to our home, check in on us, talk with us, and bring us food so we had one less thing to worry about to make our hectic life a little bit easier. Uh, To me, this clearly sent the message from the church to my family that you are important, You matter and you are loved. So I'm simply up here to say thank you for caring for me and my family. Uh, This is one small example of what the church does, um, whether it's VBS or Challenger League tonight, uh, to families opening up their home for life groups every week. Real Life continues sending the message to the community that you you matter and you are loved even if you're a Packers fan. So, I hope that this is an encouragement um, to keep up the acts of love, to find a role that you're passionate about, and find a way to fill a role. Uh, to make a small tweak to verse 35, your neighborhood, the neighbors that live near to you, the city of Portage, will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Thank you. Thank you.
1: So I want to thank Alex, and um, you know I want to make sure you understand. We're trying to get to a place as a church where uh, the experience that Alex and his family have had is not an exception, but it's a rule, and uh, we're working towards that. One of the best ways for that to happen is if you see an opportunity, if you see a moment where you're able to step into the gap for somebody else, take it, take it. Um, A lot of times, I think we wait for other people to step into the gap for us, and we need that. You know, we talked about that. We saw some of that in that video. But then there are other times when those gaps are there for you to step into uh, in other people's lives. And I just want to encourage you to take advantage of those when you see those come. So Alex did a really good job setting this up. Uh, And as we enter into this summer together, as part of our annual focus on unity in the church, on oneness what it looks like for the church to be one. We're looking at um, a bunch of these one another's that you find in the New Testament. So as a recap, I just wanna share with you, you walk past this every time you walk through the doors of the sanctuary. Uh, There's a bunch of scriptures on the wall out there, but there's one in particular, it's the big one. It's from John chapter 17, and in John chapter 17, Jesus takes this really important moment uh, this is really the culmination of his ministry, and everything is about the change. And he takes this moment and spends it in prayer. He prays for his disciples, which consequently means he's praying for us as well. And what he prays for is really, really revealing, and it's why we're talking about some of the things that we're talking about today, but it's in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. he says this, "My prayer is not for them alone." He's talking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, all of us, might be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world might believe that I am in you. Sorry, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then after all of that, he says, then the world, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me or love them even as you have loved me. So that passage is really interesting and it, it seems very pointed. It's this idea that somehow in the way that you and I, we love one another and others, that Jesus will be made known in this world, somehow through our actions of love. Now, I don't know about you, I probably wouldn't have picked that one as the way, it'd be a whole lot easier if you just get like a sweet tattoo that says, hey, I like Jesus, and that's how you know that I like Jesus. But for some reason, God kind of said, no, it's the way that you guys interact with each other and with other people in the world, that's how the world's gonna know who Jesus is. That's how the world's gonna know who Jesus is. Uh, And I don't know about you, but in in a world full of division and hatred and anger and spite and frustration, that sounds pretty good. It sounds a little idealistic, almost too good to be true. Uh, But it sounds like a pretty good alternative. And so, as a continuation of this focus of what does it mean for a church to embody oneness in a world full of division? What does it mean for a church to be unified in a world of division and not add to the division? that we see in the world that are, that's around us, uh, we're gonna be kinda t- looking at what these one another say throughout the, the summer. Um, and this is really important because as a church, this is our mission, you'll see it on the screen. Love God, love people, serve the world. Now, one of the things that's really tempting, I think, with that statement in particular, love God, love people, serve the world, is we treat it as three different statements. They're not mutually exclusive. So for us, for me to love other people, man, it, that's gonna be limited if I don't really truly understand what it means for me to love God. If I truly love God, is very, very clear, Jesus is very, very clear that that's gonna affect how I love people and serve the world. So they're all very, very much connected. And for that to take place, if we as a church are literally gonna just, not just have a mission statement, but actually live it out, We've got to be intentional. We've got to do a whole lot of stuff on purpose, and a lot of that comes back down to these one another's in community together. But here's what we need to understand as we go through this this summer: there's a cost. There's a cost for us to live out these one another's, and there's a reason that you have a little white flag. Okay. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of words sometimes that get lost. I think, because a lot of negative connotations get attached to them in the English language. And, uh, and one of those words is surrender. Uh, I think there's just a lot of attachments that have gotten, you know, we just, if you hear the word surrender, we automatically think negative. Like I wave a white flag and surrender because I've lost a battle, right? I've lost a fight, I need to surrender. The other team's just waiting for me to figure it out. So you wave the flag because you lose, you've lost. Or, you know, if you're a kid, your brother's got you in a headlock, right, and you scream uncle, that's, those, that's what it feels like to say, I surrender, I give up, I say uncle. That's surrendering. Well, over the course of the summer, our goal is to actually turn that around a little bit and to see surrendering as not a negative, okay? In fact, surrendering, the idea of you and I surrendering something is probably one of the most powerful tools that God has given any of us when it comes to how we live out these one another's together. It's the idea of surrender. And so the question that we're going to ask really every week for the next six, seven weeks is this. What do I need to surrender to one another, someone better? And I can completely know that that's horrible grammar, but you'll forgive me. What does it mean? What do I need to do what do I need to surrender to one another, somebody better? And in the very end, every single one of these one another's comes from the one Alex referenced earlier. And if, if this one another is not there, you and I are kind of suspect in the midst of this. So Jesus, he washes his disciples' feet. He does this thing for his disciples that nobody else wanted to do. They come together for this final meal, they're laying, it's just kinda of how they did it, they laid in so their feet were in other people's faces at this dinner, and their feet were disgusting. And so somebody needed to wash their feet, nobody would do it, so Jesus, he gets, he gets a towel, he gets a basin of water, he goes around washes everybody's feet, even the feet of the one that he knows is about to betray him, Judas. So he even washes Judas' feet, this totally humbling, this totally self-denying moment that Jesus participates in. And then after he's done, he says this this thing to them that, that has just a lot of weight to it. He says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he says pretty much what he says in John 17 when he's praying. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. People will know if you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, Christians throughout the centuries have always sought things to mark them as identifiers. In other words, you see this thing about somebody and you know that they're a Christian or a follower of Jesus. For a lot of people, uh, based on clergy and stuff, sometimes you've seen clergy with collars, they wear those so that you can identify who they are and who they belong to. Um, but, but Christians have been no different. There's been various items of clothing that different groups of Christians have worn throughout the centuries that have identified them with Jesus. There are different, even ideologies, that people associate themselves with that says, yeah, I'm a Christian because I voted, whatever, don't answer that question, but uh, because I voted this or that. You know, there, we always are looking for these identifiers uh, we wear crosses, we have bumper stickers, we get a sweet tattoo, whatever. But, but all these things that, that mark us. And I totally get that. And I think that sometimes those things are really important. But none of those things, none of those things. Your political affiliation, your tattoo, your bumper sticker, uh, whatever you post on Instagram, all that stuff means, and I'm using these words, diddly squat if you treat other people like trash. If you treat other people like trash, none of that stuff matters. It just doesn't. Uh, in our Twitterverse and in our chap snattery and all that stuff, listen, your cross around your neck, your, your Bible verse on your bicep, that means nothing if you treat other people like garbage. Uh, a bumper sticker that tells everybody about your Jewish carpenter boss doesn't mean anything if you don't forgive your, sign your paycheck, boss. This is the hard stuff, right? This is the hard stuff of what it means to love one another. And the unfortunate truth is, and I'm, I'm totally guilty of this, I will seek out other ways for people to know I'm a Christian, <laughs> other than the dirty, messy stuff of having to love somebody I don't like. Won't you? Or am I the only, I'm, I'm it, no, Okay. It's messy, people are messy. Do you know how I know that you're messy? Because I'm messy and I'm one of you. We're in the, we all have the flags, right? Okay, we're all, we're all messy. People are messy, loving people is messy, but Jesus plainly said that the greatest marker, the greatest identifier that people will know that you know him is love, is your love. So let me drive this a little bit deeper. So. This passage where Jesus washes feet is kind of one of my little bit of a life verse section. And so I spend a lot of time talk, thinking about this verse and thinking about this whole thing that plays out where Jesus washes their feet. But then when he turns around and he says, now a new command I give you, love one another. And, and then other places where you hear Jesus really challenging the disciples a little bit, it's almost like To to me, in my brain, the way my brain works, it's almost like Jesus looks at the disciples in a way and says, hang on just a second, guys. And he turns and he goes to the rest of the world, even non-believers, people who aren't even sold on who he is yet, and says, hey, really quick, these guys back here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to judge them. I'm giving you, the world, permission to judge these people. And if you don't see love in their lives for each other or for other people, then they're not with me. How do you feel about that? That's tough. That's tough. I think Jesus Jesus actually, in a way, gives the rest of the world the right to judge Christians, to judge you and me. And if love is absent, you and I are suspect in our association with Jesus. It sounds kind of harsh, but I want you to think about a verse with me. First Corinthians chapter 13. Most everybody has heard variations of this verse before, it's usually said at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, you know, all these, all these a beautiful, beautiful recitation of what love is and what it's not. And it's this most, you know, it's this beautiful thing. We forget sometimes who Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing that passage to. He was writing that passage to a bunch of Christians who were being absolutely horrible to people. They were being horrible to one another. They were judgmental. They were treating people like trash. And the Apostle Paul essentially says to them at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Listen. Every noise that you're making out of your mouth right now is garbage. It's actually offensive. And it does not embody who Jesus Christ is. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I don't have love. I'm a noisy gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith, It's just to remove mountains. If I don't have love, I am nothing. Those three words, I am nothing. No love equals no identification with Jesus. So that said, it seems pretty important then to figure out what does this look like? What does this look like? So here's, here's what we need to know. Uh, a lot of messages, and I think you got an outline maybe when you came in, and it's not much of an outline because there's nothing on it. Um, it just says notes, and then you get to write your own stuff in there, draw faces, whatever. But um, most sermons have points. Uh, the points for this sermon are the next six sermons. So we, we ask ourselves, how do we love one another? It's these one another's. It's these one another's. Uh, and, and we're only gonna look at six of these. There's over 100 references to the one another's in the new testament and uh, i prayed and, and these six that we're going to be looking at i think speak to where we are as a church right now and where we as a church are going to go where we're headed as a body of believers but really quickly as they help us embody what it means to live out the mission of real life uh, one another again it's used over a hundred times 47 of those verses 47 of those one another's, are instructions to the church specifically It's not instructions to the world out there, it's instructions to us. If you're sitting in this room today, I'm calling you the church. If you're watching online today, I'm calling you the church. This is instructions for us. 60 of those instructions come from the Apostle Paul. Here's here's a fun fact, four of them are one another statements about kissing one another. I know, you're getting more bang for your buck today. I understand. But seriously, there's some major themes that start coming up in these. A third of the one another's, and we're going to throw them on the screen, they deal with just specifically unity in the church. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning the youth group. In other words, hey, you hungry people, you're not starving to death, so you can wait to eat until everybody's ready. Don't bite, don't devour, don't consume one another. Seriously, don't eat each other. Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. 15% of these one another's, they talk about just being prideful. Uh, having prideful attitudes as Christians, good preference to one another in honor, regard one another as more important than yourselves, serve one another, wash one another's feet, don't be haughty, be of the same mind, be subject to one another, clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And then they go on. Do not judge one another, don't put a stumbling block in a brother's way, greet one another with a kiss. There's a whole bunch of references. Husbands and wives, don't deprive one another. There's a whole whatever. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. And then all of these things, all of these things, all these actions, all of these expressions, all of these one another's really stem from love one another. John 13, 15, Romans 13, First Thessalonians, First Peter, First John, Second John. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Be devoted to one another. Romans 12, 10. All of these one another. So the question then is, how do you love one another? All that, okay? All of it. And here's what I know. You will not be able to do that unless you come to grips with this idea of surrender. 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 Uh, if you were to pull back just right now, go to 30,000 feet and take a look at your life. Uh, Go to 30,000 feet, take an overall look. How much of your life right now is spent clinging to what's yours? How much of our lives, how much of our energy is spent thinking about us not losing something or us not having to give something up or give something away? our rights, our preferences. From a a very early age, it's not misguided, it just is what it is, whether it's a teacher or a parent, maybe it's a coach, definitely the media, tells us over and over that our lives are lived for us. We can do what we want, we can be what we want, we can have what we want. In fact, we should have what we want. We should be what we want. We should cling to what is ours. In fact, your right, your God-given right, and it is, it's a God-given right, is to give priority to yourself over and above other people. And guess what? God gave you that right. Legitimately, it is your right. It is your right as an American citizen. You have the right to look out for number one, first and foremost, every single day that you're living. It is your right to cling to what you want, to look out for number one, to not give an inch To harbor resentment. Is your right to harbor resentment? To put others on blast? It is your right to do that. It's also your right to suffer the consequences of those decisions as well. It's called free will. And God gives it to all of us. He loves us enough to give us the choice on what we're gonna do. And then, you know, and it is. It is your legitimate right to do whatever you want. But then Jesus shows up and screws everything up. (laughs) He screws all of it up. He shows us this different way. And it's the way of surrender. Coming from the one who had the right to call angels to his side as he's being crucified. To strike down his enemies. He had that right. To preserve his life with one breath with one breath, he could have preserved his life, and yet he surrendered it all. Why? To show you and I love and mercy and grace and forgiveness, encouragement, support, all of it. He did that for you and I to show us and give us his love. It's a redeeming love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a surrendered love. He surrendered love. I'm super glad that you're here this morning. Um, The thing I want to tell you is this. um, You need more, as followers of Jesus Christ, you need more than what you can get in one hour on a Sunday morning. You do. If, If your growth as a Christian is contingent upon whatever you're getting during this hour that we get together, as important as it is, if it's contingent on that, you're gonna struggle with this idea of surrender. Particularly if we have to surrender things to love one another, or as we're gonna look at a couple weeks, forgive one another, submit to one another, pray for one another. These all require us to surrender some things. And I have a goal. Uh, My goal is by the end of this summer, uh, you will clearly understand and take advantage of the opportunities that are laid out for you to engage in living out these one another's with other people, with other people. Uh, next week, we're gonna talk about connecting with one another, and, and in, again, in God's wisdom, of all the ways that we think, man, I'm gonna connect with God more, I'm gonna to go to church on Sunday morning and connect with God more, and then what does he do? He throws a bunch of people in your face. And we, we tend to think that God's maybe not gonna use those people, to draw us closer to him. But that's exactly what he does, as messy as that is. I'm not God, so I didn't pick that route. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't consult me first, uh, amazingly. And so here we are with one another trying to figure this out, and God has given us to one another so that we might grow uh, as messy as that gets at some times. But my hope and prayer is that it, through this series, uh, you will see your need to be engaged more with people, in doing life together, a group of other believers so that you can truly live out these one another's together. That's it. Now, a couple things. Literally 50 minutes. The service has been 50 minutes, but you know I'm not done, right? I'm gonna keep going. All right, two things. This has been fun. I think every once in a while, the church ought to have just a little bit of fun and just get together and definitely eat. Not today, but we'll... We'll eat some other day, but uh, I want to go through just a couple things with you first, really, really quick. I just have the conviction that if you don't know where you're going, then why in the world would anybody go anywhere with you? So uh, I want to share with you just where we're going over the next six months. We're in this series, this this focus on unity, on oneness as a church. We're six months in. I want you to know where we're going for the next six months. So in your seats, you've got a seat drop, but on the screen there, you can see through the end of July, we're gonna be uh, talking about some of these one another's. In the midst of that is our partnership trip to Palmarcito, Guatemala, and you'll hear a, a, ser- a sermon that'll kind of go with that and different stuff. But by the end of July, we'll be done with these one another's, and then we're gonna jump into August. In August, we're gonna make sure you understand where the church is at financially. That's just kind of one of the commitments that we have as a church when it comes to integrity, and when it comes to making sure that there's some transparency with finances. But at the same time too, we're gonna talk about what does it mean for us to be one in generosity? What does it mean for us to be a church that understands that we're all connected here? And uh, the actions of one affect the actions of everybody. And we're gonna look at a really cool section of scripture that talks about that. And then we're doing a deep dive beginning in September. One creed. So the Apostles' Creed, you've maybe heard of that before, maybe some of you know that. But for centuries and centuries and centuries, it's been the one thing that Orthodox Christians have pointed all back to and said, this is us, this is what we believe. And so we're gonna do a deep dive into all of that, what scripture says about uh, the aspects of the Apostles' Creed, and then I understand that there's like a heat index of 105 on Tuesday, but we are talking about Christmas right this moment. So uh, December, let us adore him, uh, hope, love, peace, joy. We're gonna talk about those uh, as a church as we go into December together, as we go into Advent. And uh, we're gonna start making plans. Christmas is on a Sunday. We don't know exactly what that's gonna look like right now, but uh, we'll work on some of those details. But I wanted you guys to know kind of where we're going. And then we're already having conversations and praying about the focus for next year. I'm super excited about where those conversations are going. So uh, that's that. One other thing, there you go. The block party, party on the block. That is July 3rd. There's only one service that day. So make sure that uh, you mark this down. We're going to meet at 1030 in here. One service, we're just going to have a good time. And then we're going to go out back. There's going to be food trucks, jump houses. There's going to be a dunk tank, I'm assuming I'm going to sit in at some point. Uh, There's going to be a bags tournament. There's going to be tents. There's going to be a a DJ. There's going to be a roller rink. I will not do that because I value being able to work the next day. Um, But uh, there's going to be all kinds of fun stuff. And I want to explain the party on the block to you. So I'm the new guy, right? And uh, a lot of times when the new guy shows up, things stop, things start, all kinds of different stuff. And I know historically what we've done in our church is a back to school fair at about that same time. And so I wanted to kind of bring you up to speed on where we're at with that. So the back to school fair uh, for years now has been designed to help provide school supplies for kids in our area and in the region. And it's been great, it's been fantastic. And I got to be a part of that last year, it was very cool. And one of the things that we started doing after that was over was we started asking the question, are we, are we providing for people the things that they actually need? And, and I think for a while it did, but we're also post kind of pandemic and needs have changed a little bit. And a lot of times you just don't know what those needs are until you start asking questions. And so we started asking questions like, if we're going to put all of that effort into a day of a big event like that, we want to make sure that we're, we're legitimately helping some people. And I think it has. But I think things have changed a little bit. And so what happened was uh, we've been in contact with different resource people from all the schools in the area. We kind of set up a conference call, and uh, Chandra Ostrander on staff ran that call, and we basically just shared with them, look, we do this back to school fair. We bring school supplies in and give it to the kids and, and stuff like that. But we wanted to ask you, because as, you're direct lines in the schools, what, what are the needs? What are the real needs? And, and are we meeting those needs? And the, all of them almost unanimously said, please do not give us more school supplies. And the reality is, things have changed. These kids are coming home with Chromebooks and iPads, and all their assignments are on Schoology, and, and everything's just digital at this point, so they don't need pencils. If you know Diane Tilford, who's on our, our church board, she counted, she has like 7,200 pencils in her classroom. <laughs> so they don't need pencils and paper, they, they, they don't need those things. So then it allowed us then, and we were like, this is why we're having the conversation. So he said, all right, would you tell us what, you know, two, three months into the school year, what are the biggest needs some of these students have? we started hearing things like underwear, socks, mittens, gloves. Um, Then we even got a little bit deeper and it became things like certain types of hair care products that not everybody uses because I have different hair than somebody else might, okay? Dignity things. So he said, okay, what do we need to do then? And so it's not, and I wanna make sure you understand this, it is not because the block party or the back to school fair is a negative thing. It's just that we have to be willing to pivot, right? That's a total COVID word, okay? I just threw a COVID word out, okay? We need to pivot. We have to pivot and make sure that we're meeting the needs that are present and doing it in a unique way. So we came up with the idea of the block party and the block party, I'll just shoot straight with you. We have very, very intentionally invited uh, basically everybody that lives within a half a mile of this building. Uh, postcards are actually gonna go out next week. There's flyers that we're gonna go up and down the streets and hand out to neighbors and kids and stuff. Uh, there's signs you're gonna see out there and all that kind of stuff. But what we're actually doing is we're inviting the neighborhood to come into our block party. And they just don't know they're a part of the church yet. We're just gonna treat them like they are. So you're, you're a part of our church, so you come, you're, you're gonna be a part of the block party. And then at the block party, What we're actually launching then is a back to school blitz. And so at the block party, we're gonna announce a list of items that we're inviting anybody to bring to the church so that in September, we can go to these different schools and provide to them the needs that they have. And, uh, And it'll be things like underwear, socks and stuff. There'll be a list that'll be generated, but what we're actually doing is instead of having people come to our church and then we give them something and send them on their way, we're having them come to our church and saying, hey, we're gonna do ministry with you. And we're gonna invite you to do ministry with us. And so uh, be praying about that. You've got invitations on your seats. I would encourage you, and even if somebody does not live within a half mile of this building, go invite them. It's okay, bring them. There's gonna be a taco truck. <laughs> You'll figure out by the time the block party comes around which, what part I'm most excited about. Um, but we're gonna have a really, really good time. It's just gonna be a really great time to meet our neighbors and, uh, and love on some people and give other people the opportunity to love on some people too. And so I wanna encourage you to, to be here for that. Sound like a plan? All right, why don't you stand with me? And uh, I'm gonna pray. Would you thank Courtney Brown and all of her kids' workers again for all their work? <laughs> They're around here somewhere, but uh, hey, thank you. Father, thank you for your love and your grace for us. And Father, as we we seek to live out these one another's together, uh, just help us to remember what a privilege it is to be your church. And what a sacred thing that you've given us. You've given us hope, you've given us love, and then you've commissioned us to show that to others. So uh, as we do that, Father. I pray that you'd be with us. Go with us, love us, and help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. We'll see you later.